Hello, and welcome to The Takeaway, where we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, and verse by verse, to help you understand God's Word, so that you can have a more intimate relationship with Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Hello, and welcome again to The Takeaway. I'm your host, Pastor Harry Behrens, and on today's episode, we will be looking at Revelation chapter 5. And in this chapter, we're going to get a good look at where true worship really comes from. Not to stand around and listen to someone on stage worship, but the kind that you can't hold back, that dwells up from deep within you, out of appreciation and gratitude from a gift that is beyond measure. At the end of this chapter, we should all have a better understanding of true worship where it comes from, and a deep desire to enter into it. Now let's get started in verse 1. Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Now, what is this scroll? Well, most likely it's the title deed to the earth. And we have a similar example in Jeremiah chapter 32, verses 6 through 16, uh, where Jeremiah is getting ready to buy a piece of land. And it says, starting in verse 9, I bought the field at Anathoth from my cousin Hanamel, weighing out seven ounces of silver for him. I signed the record and sealed it and had some people witness it. Notice it was sealed. I also weighed out the silver on the scales. Then I took both copies, two, right, of the record of ownership, the one that was sealed, right, and that won't be open again, and that had the demands and the limits of ownership, and the one that was not sealed. This is so that we know what the contents are and the one that is sealed. And I gave them to Baruch, son of Neriah, the son of Messiah, my cousin Hanamel, the other witnesses who signed the record of ownership, and many Jews sitting in the courtyard of the guard saw me give the record of ownership to Baruch. The deed is sealed only to be opened by the appropriate authority to prove its authenticity. There would then be a letter of abstract to explain what was in the deed, so it didn't need to be opened. Sometimes the abstract would be written on the outside of the sealed document, and that's what we see here in verse 1. In verse 2, And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and breaking its seals? Remember, we just said the appropriate authority, right? Well, this would have to be the rightful owner to the contents of the document. That would be the Creator Jesus. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. He is the rightful owner. Verse 3, And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So what is it that Jesus conquered? Well, a lot of people think it was Satan, but it's not. It was death. He overcame sin and death. Uh, he overcame the sin and death which was destroying this world, and he is now taking it back to make all things new again as he intended it to be. Now, some people seem to think Satan is the ruler of this world since the fall of man, but Satan has no authority and never did. This world was never given to him, and he didn't earn it. So any authority that Satan exercises was taken, not given. He is, by definition, unauthorized. Now, death, on the other hand, is the result of sin, the curse that God put on this world and us. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 17, it says, But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat, 
of it, you shall surely die. Now, Jesus overcame the curse that God put on this world to take back ownership. God's word cannot be broken, and through Jesus it wasn't. Death is still very real to, un to the unbeliever. Jesus was sinless and therefore didn't deserve to die. So he then had the power to rise and overcome death. When we put our trust in him, he stands between us and the curse. And the father only sees his son's righteousness when he looks at us. That's why we get to sit on the throne with him. Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Talking about we have died, and our life is hidden in Christ in God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, For our sake, talking about you and me, he made him, Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, in verse 6, we read, and between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw the lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Now, I already know what you're thinking here. You're envisioning a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, but there is no need to imagine what this looks like. We are told what the horns and the eyes are. The visual you have is wrong. The perspective is that the seven horns represent power and authority, and the seven eyes represent nothing being hidden from him. Remember, the number seven represents completeness and perfection. Jesus is being seen as having, having perfect and full power and authority with the ability to see and judge all perfectly. Verse seven, and he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God, from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Now, they worship him not only for what he has done and is doing, but also for what he will still do. And what's that? Well, in verse 10, it says, And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. He will make them, who? Well, all people from every nation and language to be rulers and priests. Worship isn't just for receiving, but it's also in recognition that only Jesus had the power and authority to make all things new, and because of his love for us, he has made us new and is going to judge a wicked world and then make it all new. How can we not worship him when the very purpose for our being is found in him? In verse 11 and 12, uh, verse 11, 12, and 13, then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And we see here everything living in heaven and on earth worshiping Jesus. All of creation will cry out. 
In Luke chapter 19, we see Jesus riding into Jerusalem right before his crucifixion, and look at what he says in verses 36 to 40. Uh, We get the context and then what he says. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that he had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Yes, all living creatures will worship Jesus and maybe even the rocks also. Now, verse 14, it says, And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. Now, you have to understand, Amen means let it be so, right? So so, uh, this will be us also before him, and it should be us now. Let this sink in. Jesus deserves our worship now and forever, not because he demands it, but because he doesn't. He has never demanded anything of us and has done nothing but give us, give to us life, healing, rewards, and purpose. And what is that purpose? To glorify and bring pleasure to the Father. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 17, And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. God will be well pleased with you also if you allow Jesus to work in and through you. Not only that, you will be rewarded well so that you have treasure to lay at the Father's feet when that day comes. We will all meet our Maker, and all will answer for the life they lived on this earth. The only answer you will be able to give that on, in that day that is correct is that you surrendered your life to Jesus and allowed him to use you to glorify the Father. It is only Jesus who is capable of that, and when we surrender to him, he gives us his Spirit so that we become a part of him just as he was one with the Father. What a wonderful gift he has given us. How can you not worship a God who loves you that much? How wonderful he is and how great his love. Now ponder on this today and go to him in prayer. Let him know you are sorry for the wrongs you have committed and ask him to take over from here. I promise you, he will turn your life around and do many great works in and through you. This will leave you with only one option when you see how good he is, and that's worship. Not the fake kind where you just follow along, but the kind where you become foolish to the world because you can't stop praising him. And we have all met those crazy Christians in this world who just sing songs wherever they go, but it's time for us to be a little crazy for him and not worry about what the world thinks also. Let me pray for you today. Father, thank you for my listeners and for the word and for the revelation that you've given us. I pray that it sinks into all of our hearts and all of our minds, that we can grab a hold of this picture of how good and how awesome and how loving you truly are, and that genuine worship dwells up from within inside of us, a worship that we have to let out, that we can't hold back, that we can't just be spectators of. I pray this for my listeners today, that they would be anointed by the Holy Spirit to understand your word today, that they would be moved by it that they would be convicted by it, and that they would turn to you, God, recognizing how good you are to sacrifice your only begotten Son for our sake so that we may be seen as righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice, and we love you in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this episode today. I hope today's message helped you take a step closer in your relationship with Jesus and that you have a better understanding for just how much God loves you. In our next episode, we will see what happens in this world when God pulls back his restraining spirit and allows evil to run rampant. 
This is something we have seen the world asking for for a long time. They want God out of their business, and they're going to get it, at least for a short period of time, so that God can show them just what the world will be like without him. They think it's bad now. They have no idea. God bless, and we'll see you next time on The Takeaway.